0: Good morning, good morning, good morning, Lake House Church. This is the day the Lord has made. Now, I don't know if you remember, but last week I said this is the warm day that the Lord has made. Do y'all remember? It was what, 80, 87 last Sunday? Yeah, that was last week. That was last week. Welcome to Texas, ladies and gentlemen. So, <laughs> well, I want you to know that the holidays are officially here, okay? If you're not off this week or having family arriving, in fact, let's talk about that real quickly. Because you know, sometimes the holidays can be a little stressful. So we're gonna be talking this week about overcoming worry with Thanksgiving. You know, the holidays are coming. Some of you already have some family arriving. Some of you will have a huge meal that you're going to need to fix this week. Some of you are going to have to go grocery shopping today and fight those wonderful lines of everybody thinks we're going to be snowed in for the next three weeks. Some of us are going to get to prepare that meal for everyone that's coming in this week, right? Right. Some of you get to spend Thanksgiving with family members that you don't really like. I'm not sure, no, there's no showing of hands on this one, okay, and this is not confession. I'm not your priest, okay? But you know who you are. All of that tends to make us a little worrisome. Yeah, wouldn't it be great? You know, if this were worry, this would be my little bag of worry. And every time I mentioned something, some of y'all were thinking, how many more items can he blow into that balloon? Mm -hmm. Now, I do want you to know that Satan has a real quick remedy for anything that's going on in your life. And it will cause an explosion, and there will be damage, and there will be spit and air flowing everywhere. But you know, God also has a plan and a purpose for our life. And it talks about peace. You see... When there is worry, there is no peace. And God does not want us to live a life full of worry. He instructs us to live a life of peace. So how do we live in a world full of peace when all of these things are happening? You have to start letting go some of the things and letting God's peace that passes all understanding, that guards our heart, to come in and to start relieve some of that. Many of you all know and have been at that point where that balloon was about to break. I don't know if you've ever been to a point where you said, you know, if God, if one more thing happens, if I get one more phone call, one more text, if one more person starts sneezing in this home. And what God wants us to do is to cast all of our cares upon him aren't you thankful I just didn't let it go because sometimes I've done that before. It's just all over the place. But I didn't want to do that to you. So I'm just saying, Lord, I thank you for everything you're doing in my life. I thank you for those family members that are coming. I thank you that you are my provision and that you will provide this week. Father, I thank you for making this turkey the best tasting turkey that I've ever eaten in my whole life this week. (laughs) I thank you that the cowboys, well never mind. There's... (laughs) I want you to know that the Mayo Clinic has put out statistics that 80 to 85% of their caseloads are directly related to stress and worry in our society today. 80%. Now the Mayo Clinic is not some little mom and pop shop. The Mayo Clinic is a huge operation. 80 to 85 percent, in fact one physician that I read said that 70 percent of all medical patients could cure themselves if they would get rid of worry and fear. God. 70 percent. See our bodies were not built and designed to take worry and stress. It Worry and stress work on your body in the worst forms. And they are from Satan himself what does the Bible have to talk about worry what does the Bible have to say about peace what does the Bible have to say about joy I'm glad you asked Philippians 4 verses 4 through 5 we're gonna start with those verses and go on a little bit but says always be joyful in the Lord I'll say it again now when the Bible repeats that that wasn't me okay this is the Word of God when it says hey This is really, I don't know about you, but there have been times, maybe once, raising three children, I've had to repeat something. And when I repeat something, the kids kind of get a little antenna. I don't know what it is, it's built in that says, hey, maybe dad really means it this time. Maybe this doesn't happen in your home, but you know what, When when, when the writer of the Bible, when Paul's saying, hey, always be joyful in the Lord... I'll say it again, be joyful, let everyone know how considerate you are, because the Lord is near. You see, worry in our lives is the absence of peace. Those two cannot coexist in your life at the same time. You will either be at peace over a situation or you will hold it and you will worry and you're blowing into that balloon constantly. And when Satan sees that, he says, aha, there's where I'll attack. Well, let's bring in a little sickness. Let's bring in a little financial stress. Hey, let's start a great rumor about them online. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Let's stir up the family right before they get to their house so that, man, it's just going to be wonderful on Thanksgiving Day. (laughs) But when Satan sees that you're casting your cares on the Lord and that you're saying, and you've got a scripture in response to everything that's happening in your life, Satan scratches his head says, you know what, this isn't working. I'll go over to the, to the other family because it's much easier over there. <laughs> they don't understand the word of God. They're easily manipulated. They're spiritual puppets that I can pull a string and get a response to. But that family, that family stands on the word of God. And let me tell you, Satan knows the word of God. Do you know the word of God better than Satan? Okay? Because he does know. He knows what's going to happen also. When I'm not walking in peace, I'm grieving the Lord. I truly am. When I'm not walking in peace, I become discouraged. When I'm not walking in peace, I get a critical attitude. When I'm not walking in peace, I start to murmur, complain, look at things differently tend to be a little bit more negative in life. And all of those actions start spiraling me back to sin in my life. All because I started worrying over situations. I started doubting. And once God has been removed from my life, and He's not daily there with me, I am not praying, I'm not seeking Him. All of a sudden, the world is filling in that void. That junk food that we were talking about before we took communion... See, when a person worries, they think that God is not doing anything. I'm going to say that again. When you worry, you are assuming that God is not doing anything. But I prayed about it nothing happened. I've been praying that that manager would move and he hasn't, he's still there. You see, faith is not believing God to do what you want him to do. Faith is believing in what God is going to do is right. Some of us need to learn that lesson. Faith is not believing that God does what we want him to do when we want him to do it. It's knowing that God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. The creator, the architect of the universe, which we can't even comprehend, who knows the number of hairs on our head, knows our days, is saying, I've got a plan and a purpose for you will you trust me you may not may not seem good right now but will you just trust me through this you may not understand that child you may not understand your spouse right now there's a lot of things you may not understand but God understands them and when we have that as our assurance we can walk in peace earlier I said that the absence of peace is worry so the absence of worry is peace see one is going to consume your little balloon I could have started off saying, you know what? I spent time in the word of God today. <coughs> I worshiped today with Dino and it was phenomenal. And I love the new guitars. And man, I just felt like they, they come and they, they, they give us God's presence and, and they lead us into it. See, I could be filling my balloon with a lot of great things. Or I can be filling that balloon with a lot of bad things. So if you are this balloon, what are you full of today? Are you full of worry, negative? Or are you full of peace that passes all understanding, God's word, trust, hope, bad breath? What is it? It's all up to you. I have to be a thankful believer. I have to be a thankful believer because I am so thankful for everything that God has done for me. If God doesn't do anything else the rest of my life, I will still live a life of eternity in praise to him. Praise God because he saved me he has healed me he has redeemed me he has forgiven me more than I deserve okay more than I deserve when I continue to do something I know is wrong and yet I cry out Abba Father would you forgive me his peace is restoring me there's an illustration that said that on a person's average anxiety 40% of what we worry about will never happen. 40% of what we worry about will never happen. 30% also in addition to that, are things in the past that cannot be changed. But we continue to relive it day after day after day after day. 12% are about things about criticisms that other people speak about us. 10% are about our health, which gets worse with stress. And 8% about real problems that we actually face. Now, wouldn't it be great to get rid of 92% of your stress? (laughs) Wouldn't that be wonderful? Because there's so very little that we have to even take to God in prayer. A lot of it is man made, a lot of it is just inside ourselves, a lot of it is Satan whispering lies into you. You are bombarded with lies. And who you're listening to is going to determine how you fill your balloon. I have three quick points today that I want to go through with you. First off, if you're taking notes, thankfulness produces joy. In our opening passage today, Philippians 4.4, four says, Always be joyful in the Lord. And I'll say it again, be joyful. You have to know that when Paul is writing this, he is in prison. Now, how many of your prison letters would start off like that? had a great day in prison today food is wonderful I love exercise time meeting new friends hope to see you soon that doesn't seem like a letter that I'd be writing from prison maybe you but not me but Paul's encouraging he's saying hey be joyful be joyful in all things They're to rejoice no matter what their circumstances. Paul is telling us to rejoice no matter what our circumstances are. Because as born-again believers, we are going to go through difficult seasons. No one has ever said that if you accept Jesus Christ in your life, your skin's going to clear up, you're going to lose weight, your hair's going to grow back, your family's going to be at peace, the IRS is just going to bless you tremendously. It doesn't happen. But there's a joy that allows you to go through all those situations I just mentioned. In fact, James 1, 2, and 4 says this, My brothers and sisters, be very happy when you are tested in different ways. Now, I don't know if I would have used that if I were writing this, but it was Holy Spirit inspired. (laughs) Be happy when you're tested in different ways. You know that such testing of your faith produces endurance endurance until your testing is over and then you will be mature and complete and you won't need anything that's a wonderful passage it's saying you know what just be content trust god know that he has a plan and a purpose romans 14:17 says this god's kingdom does not consist of what a person eats or drinks Rather, God's kingdom consists of God's approval and peace, as well as the joy that the Holy Spirit gives. You want to know more about God's kingdom, here's a passage that's giving you insight to it. It's not about what we're eating (laughs) or drinking. It's talking about the peace and the joy that comes from that relationship with God. You see, happiness and joy are two separate things. Happiness is based on your circumstances. Happiness is based upon the money that you have in the bank. Happiness is if everybody's getting along. Happiness is if your team is doing really well and they're winning. Some of y'all haven't been very happy since the 1990s. But joy, joy is something that you determine. Joy is an attitude that says no matter what happens, I am going to trust God. Kristen always tells me that I look 10 years younger when I smile. So I try to smile. Man, I'd grin for 20, okay? But the point being is the way we determine is very important. A situation. That's why I do ask you every day when you wake up saying, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it it sets just a spiritual alarm going off saying, you know what, Satan, you're not going to get me today. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. I don't know what this day holds, but joy is a gift. It's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. I also want you to know that joy will never come to you by self-interest. Here's some real deep theology I learned when I was five years old. Joy, spelled, means Jesus, others, yourself. Told you that was deep, okay? Some of y'all just radically changed your life and the way you look at the Bible. But joy is that Jesus should always be number one in our life. As born-again Christians, we have to be concerned about others. And ourselves are coming in at third place. Some of us have reversed it, and we live by yoga. I know a lot of yogurts out there, okay? <laughs> They're everywhere. <laughs> They're themselves. There are others. I don't even know if they have Jesus in their heart. <laughs> but we have to be joyful. We have to love God, love others, serve others, mm-hmm. and let God take care of us. Amen. You can tell a lot by a person when you hear their prayers, not the prayers that they say around the Thanksgiving table, not the prayers when they know that people are in front of them. Kind of like when I go for a walk, that's the type of prayer that you want to really gauge because my prayers, if they're all self-consuming, then you know my heart. But if my prayers are interceding for other people in our nation, in our leaders, in our countries, and also about revival in the church, in every pulpit that's preaching, Man, you'll see that there is a heart that truly wants God to move in the body of Christ. So how are our prayers reflecting our spiritual life? Are we only praying when we need a financial breakthrough? When there's no food in the refrigerator? When the car payment's due and it's late? When somebody's made us mad and we're just like, God, would you take care of that person? They're not a mafia hit person, okay? Sometimes our prayers are just angry and vengeful. How would you like it every time I called you? It's like, oh, hey, it's Pastor Mark. And all I did was like, man, you can't believe what's happening right now. I am so mad. You'd be like, hey. Um, and then I hang up. Next day, st- calling Steven. Stephen's like, hey, Pastor Mark's calling me. Stephen, you're not going to believe this. They ate all the cereal in the house. Do you think they left anything for Dad? I don't think so. <laughs> We had four boxes of cereal two days ago, and it's all gone. It would really strain our relationship day after day after day if the only time I called Stephen Cox was to complain. Not about him, just about things. And is that not sometimes our prayer life with God? This week is a week that we set aside just to give thanks, and to give thanks to God. I'd rather live 364 days of thanksgiving and give you one day of griping. Okay, let's just have a day of griping, gripesgiving, okay? It's a new holiday. One day you can just gripe all you want, but the other 364 days, let's give God praise, let's give him the glory, let's love others, let's be charitable. Now, some of you are thinking, that's not really a bad idea, okay? Man, I mean, to walk in and my professors are like, you guys are beautiful, I love y'all being here today. Your employer's like, I am so proud of you, Sarah. You are doing such a phenomenal job. Wouldn't it just be wonderful? You walk up to Target. They're like, hey, all that stuff's free. Just take it. Go ahead. I am in such a great mood. Yeah, Girl Scouts would come to your door and give you cookies. What do you want? I got a whole wagon full of them. Thin mints, no problem. See, now thanks griping sounding a little bit better to you, right? Just endure one day. We give 364 days sometimes of all griping and only one day of thanks. Point number two is thankfulness produces forgiveness. Thankful people are forgiving people. Thankful people are forgiving people. Matthew 6, 14, 14, 15 says, If you forgive the failures of others, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others, your father will not forgive your failures. Man. Hmm. Why do you think God stresses the importance of us forgiving? Because it is for our benefit to forgive others. It is for, I'm going to say it again because I think Steve Cox is the only one who got it. It is our benefit to forgive others. But you don't know what they did. Wait, it is for our benefit. Anger, bitterness will eat at you and not at them. They may not even know that they offended you. But man, you're burning with just hatred for them. And God's saying, Would you give that to me? Would you give that to me? Would you cast your cares on me? Would you let me handle that situation? Yes, you were wrong. Yes, they they did you wrong. But would you trust me? There's a great illustration by Clara Barton, who was the founder of the American Red Cross. And she was talking with a friend of hers once. And her friend was bringing up Kind of a difficult thing that happened in the past. I don't know if you have any friends that kind of always just egg you on by like, hey, do you remember in high school when, when you wet your pants and you had to go all day and you're like, yeah, thanks for bringing that memory up, you know? But there's people that are always wanting to just bring up those real irritating facts about you. That's what family is for. So what happens is... <laughs> Clara Barton's sitting with this friend of hers, and she's saying, Hey, Clara, do you remember that situation where that person said that about you? And her quote was so phenomenal. She goes, I distinctly remember forgetting that. (laughs) I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. Because what she's saying is, I remember it. Of course I remember the hurt and bitterness. But I remember forgiving that person and not carrying it around with me. You see, sometimes we think that when we forgive somebody, we have to be like, okay, that event never happened. You will remember that event, but how you respond to that also shows what the Holy Spirit has done in your life. You see, if you have forgiven them, even if that's mentioned, there will still be some pain associated with it. But also you say, you know what? God's got that under control. I'm not offended by it. I bless them. In fact, I want to do something nice for them. Wow. There's where you can determine whether there's forgiveness in your spirit. Matthew 6.12 says, Forgive us as we forgive others. Ephesians 4.32 tells us to be kind to each other, sympathetic, forgiving each other as God has forgiven us through Christ. The Bible is full of forgiveness. And it is for our benefit that we walk in that forgiveness. Because you can die an angry, lonely person. And Satan would love that. You'll be a little trophy on his curio cabinet. But I would rather cast all of my cares. Give thanks. Here's a real challenge. Can you give thanks for the person that's been such a cause of conflict in your life this week? When you're praying, could you say, Lord, I thank you for that person. I thank you that you love that person. I thank you that you're going to cause that person to be good to me. I thank you that you're going to work this situation for my good. Amen. I thank you, Father, that there will be such a relationship built through this that we would have never been able to do it without your help in the situation. Amen. And that you truly do turn all things together for our good for those who love you. That's a powerful prayer. Instead of just asking God to zap them, ask them to turn the situation around for something good. Amen. And God can do that. When we understand the power of God's forgiveness in our lives, we weren't that great of a prize before Christ in our life. No matter how good looking we were, how talented, how special our parents told us we were, we were not all that. But when we became a follower of Christ and accepted Christ in our life, we have phenomenal blessings, gifts, Abilities, peace, hope, joy, because of that relationship. My third and last point, thankfulness produces prayer. Amen. Continuing on from Philippians 4 where we started, it says, 6 and 7 says, Never worry about anything, but in every situation let God know what you need in prayer and request while giving thanks. Amen. Let God know what you need in prayer while giving thanks. Then God's peace, which goes beyond anything we can imagine, will guard our thoughts and emotions through Christ Jesus. Wow. That's a pretty amazing scripture passage right there, isn't it? Here's the one, two, three of how to deal with stress and worry in your life. Pray about it, but pray with thanksgiving. And then let God come into the situation. Matthew 6, 31 through 33 says, Don't ever worry and say, What are we going to eat? Or what are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear? I'm going to stop right there. Well, it's good. If there's, there's more coming. I was thinking about this passage this morning. We truly are a blessed nation. You may say, Well, Pastor, I, I don't have a whole lot right. You are wealthier than 75% of the world right now. The least among us is wealthier than 75 percent of the world. When we read a passage like this and we've been so blessed it really doesn't mean a whole lot to us because none of us have ever had to be down to just one shirt or walking around partially naked because we had nothing. Many of us i have not missed that many meals because of an empty refrigerator or no food or no resources I was reading this passage this morning and I was thinking what if I lived in a remote area a, a hut a, a, and and every day was a struggle what am I going to kill today so that I can feed my family what can I bring from the ground up that will make a meal so that my children won't complain See, we've never walked those shoes. So when we read this, it says, oh, don't worry about what we're going to eat. Probably many of you have multiple options for lunch today. Wardrobes, closets full of multiple items to be able to wear. Verse 32 says, everyone is concerned about these things. And your heavenly father certainly knows you need all of them. But first, be concerned about the kingdom, his kingdom, and what, his has, what has his approval. And then all these things will be provided. We are blessed to be in America. We are blessed to be one nation under God. I don't care what people are trying to tell you. We have been blessed because of the foundation of this country on biblical values. If you look, the, the Harvard, Yale, all of them taught from the word of God. As main textbooks, we're still living the legacy of that blessing. But I don't know how much longer that will be as long as we keep thumbing our nose at everything about God. I know that God is my source and God is my strength. Worry is faith in the negative. I'm going to say that again. Worry is faith in the negative. If you've been dealing with worry it's about negative feelings it's a belief in defeat and not victory so are we grateful for all that God has done for us do we truly have a thankful heart as I close I came up with five great questions that I'm gonna ask you Austin I think I have them on slides so let's see if you have them number one which do you tend to talk about more? Your blessings or your disappointments? I'm going to just let you think about this for a second. Do a self-low inventory. Do I truly have a thankful spirit? Do you talk more about the blessings, the good things, or you talk more about the disappointments? Gripes, complaints. How work is not perfect. Your family's not perfect. Your neighborhood, this city, the state, Are politicians. Number two, are you a complainer, always grumbling, always finding fault with your circumstances? Number three, are you content with what you have or always dissatisfied and wanting more? Number four, do you express thanks to others when they help you or do you just take it for granted? Here's a real key one right here. Do you thank other people when they do things for you? Minimal little things. Or do we just assume that that's why God put them on God's green earth? To take care of my needs. Number five. Would others say that you're a thankful person? Wow. Wow. I'd do a little evaluation on that one, right? I mean, if, if there was a checklist and, and I'm saying, oh, I, I know Sherry, I know Rachel, I, I know Rebecca, I know Victoria, would I be checking off on those that thankfulness is one of the characteristics I know about them? Because I know that I could mention a name to you and you'd instantly know that they are not a thankful person. And I can mention other names that you'd say, yeah, they're always fun to be around. They're always, they always thank me for, for little things. See, each day we have a decision on how we're gonna treat others, how we're gonna reflect Christ in us. And this week we have an opportunity to be with family members and friends that we don't normally get to see. And believe it or not, some of them may not be around Christians other than you. And they're wondering how you get through situations. I actually got a request to bring this back But if you remember a few years ago, I challenged you to fast this week. And everybody kind of like freaked out a little because you don't fast, which is normally the giving up of food during the week of Thanksgiving. But what I asked you to fast was complaining. Can you go to next Sunday without complaining? And if you do complain, would you recognize it? You see, I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news on this. You will probably complain okay but recognizing it may show you a pattern in your life and it may surprise you how many complaints come out of your mouth versus how many blessings or thankful words come out of your mouth so I'm challenging you this week would you fast complaining and if you do complain, would you just ask for forgiveness right then and there say, God, I, I, I didn't mean to have a complaining spirit right there. And see the change that starts taking place in your relationships and in your workplace, in your family, in your neighborhood, your school. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I've talked to you for about the last 30 minutes about how God can bring peace into your spirit. But it all starts with simply asking Jesus Christ into your heart. And it's a very simple process. It's saying, God, I need help. I need a savior in my life. And I'm asking Jesus into my heart. You see, some people don't want to give up control of their life. That's why they won't ask Christ in their heart. They're proud. They can handle it. I don't know how you'd handle life on your own without Christ. But I'm giving you the opportunity, as we all say a very simple prayer, that maybe as during this message you've realized that there's been more complaining going on in your life than there's been praise. That maybe there's been more worry than there's been peace. Maybe there's been more anger than there's been joy. And this message is challenging you to make some changes. And those changes will start with first asking Christ into your heart. Church, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I am saved. Amen. If you made that decision, tell somebody, hey, you know today when Pastor Mark was praying, I just asked God to wipe out all the bad that's been in my life. I've asked Christ into my heart. If you did, read the book of Romans great first book to start reading in the Bible read John read Psalms and Proverbs great first books And I encourage you anytime you lead somebody to Christ those are great starting they start in Genesis by the time they get to Leviticus I don't even spend that much time in Leviticus I do love the man's book of the Bible Deuteronomy but that was a joke (laughs) Dude-eronomy. Thanks, Leah. I appreciate that. That That was a good laugh over there. I'd like to speak a blessing over you as we dismiss. Would you all please stand? So may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming.